This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello and welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. My name is Trevor Williams, and today on the show, we are talking with Megan Harris. She has chickens, she has goats. She works with a farmer's market in North Carolina, and we're going to chat with her. I'm always fascinated with how farmer's markets have started, how people are wanting to buy locally raised produce or locally raised meats and stuff like that. And I think it is actually like super phenomenal. I mean, you're supporting local um, farmers and ranchers, you're supporting the local economy. And especially now with COVID, I think there's been a huge resurgence in people wanting to buy locally and support people. And I think farmers markets are going to be the wave of the future. You can build relationships. You can, if you want, like befriend those farmers and ranchers and then eventually go to their locations, see what they're doing. And if you're lucky enough, even get to help them. Um, So our guest today, actually, let me back up a little bit. Maybe you want to go to a farmer's market. Maybe there's not one in your local community maybe you want to figure out how to start one. Well, our guest today is Megan Harris, and she is a former ag teacher, and she has helped build up a farmer's market community in North Carolina. She's all about growing farmer's markets, how to um, increase the amount of vendors, how you can help market them, and a whole bunch of really great stuff on how you can improve your farmer market in your community. And so we're going to chat about all things um, about their their farming operation, which is Harris Family Farm in North Carolina, what it, what it's like growing vegetables, um, growing goats, or <laughs> raising goats, having chickens, all that stuff. And Megan was actually also an ag teacher, which I only lasted for about two years. And we're going to talk about how cool it is being an ag teacher, um, all the cool experiences, what the great kids are like. Uh, and also Megan will tell us what homesteading is. There's been a huge... I think interest in people wanting to homestead, like raise stuff locally at their home. Um, and so we're going to chat about that. And also we're going to, or Megan's going to tell us what her tips are on how you can be successful 
at a farmer's market. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. I had a blast chatting with Megan. And Megan was actually kind enough to let me use this episode um, for a little tutorial on how to edit podcasts in Adobe Audition. So if you're on our YouTube channel or if you want to check out our, our YouTube channel, I did a video on this explaining how I use Adobe Audition. And if you are interested in podcasting or if you know somebody that's interested in podcasting, um, send them the video. I think it might be helpful. I had a lot of trouble finding very good, reliable content on YouTube or on the internet on how to edit. So again, Megan, thanks for letting me use this episode. I think it turned out great. Um, and I had a lot of fun chatting with you. Uh, thanks so much, Megan. And thanks so much, everybody, for listening to the Farm Traveler podcast. Hope you enjoy the episode. All right. Well, Megan, welcome to the Farm Traveler podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I hope you're doing well, too. Yeah, doing well. No complaints. So you you messaged me a few weeks. You wanted to come on, and I was like, heck yeah, let's have you on. You, you've you got like a whole homesteading operation. You do um, some farm-to-table um, stuff or farmer's markets. So tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you wound up farming. Okay, so I'm actually... I grew up in ag. I've always been pretty ag, ag-centered my entire life. It all started, you know, as a child. I hung out with my grandma and her sisters a lot. They were really close, and they had, you know, they they had a small farm, which one of my grandma's sisters did, and they lived kind of right next to each other. So I was always sitting on a porch, like, helping snap peas, watching them process foods. Um she had chickens and all kinds of animals, and a lot of my relatives kind of had their farms. Uh, my my dad and our family packed up and moved when I was like in I guess fifth grade to the home place, like where he grew up, so which was a hay farm. And so from then on, I grew up there, and I kind of always knew I belonged in ag somewhere. I didn't really know where. Thank goodness for Trina Vaughn, my ag teacher throughout high school. I was in FFA, and she kind of helped push me into the, and put uh, push me into the direction um, of ag. I went. I attended Virginia Tech, which is one of like the best ag colleges in America. Go Hokies! <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, man, I loved it. Um, I did a two-year really hands-on program called Ag Tech. Um, got tons of really good hands-on experience, which is kind of unheard of in college. Uh, so I learned how to AI cows, um, all about feeds and forages and raising all sorts of different animals in different types of ways and stuff. And um, ended up graduating from there, coming back home to Virginia, which I'm right on the border. Um, I'm in North Carolina now, but I'm like three miles from the Virginia line. So uh, I I actually was an ag teacher for a couple years in which I recently resigned. It was a really awesome job. Um, and I got hooked up with my farmer's market because I actually used to be a vendor and they were looking for a market manager. And when they had a meeting about it, one of the vendors that are there, that's there now, she's actually the president now mentioned me in a meeting and was like, I think she'd be really great at it. And the, town manager was like, Hey, she used to be a vendor and she was really great. I think she'd be really great at it too. So they called me and it was not a question of like, if it was like, when do I start? Like, 
I just knew I was going to love it. I always love the farmer's market. I love being a vendor there. Um, the only reason that I wasn't a vendor at the time is because I had two kids mm. and it got to be hard for me to like get up and beat all the other vendors there to get a good night. <laughs> I, it was it was to the point that I was outside at like four thirty in the morning on Saturday mornings, like pulling beets and stuff, like to get there on time and to have like the freshest, most beautiful produce ever. So that's kind of why I had gotten out of being a vendor, but I still, you know, supported them. And for them to to like think of me and call me back, I was like freaking pumped. Like it was amazing. So for the last two years now, this is my second year as manager. I've been like fired up for farmer's market, everything, like taking in all of the education and resources online, like using our, um, we have a Virginia farmer's market association. So mm -hmm. they have tons of resources and really just diving deep and living my best life as a manager. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there you go. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so at one time I was actually running our own farm. You know, we do here, I'm like, it's really hard because it's so much at one time. I'm trying not to like spew information here. <laughs> no, you're good. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just tell you about our home operation. So with me and my husband and my kids, we've always made hay um, and sold hay, square bales and round rolls. Um, we have like AQHA quarter horses, like we'll raise and sell. Um, I got into chickens. My husband like, you know, really helped me out there like built like tons of coops we did new fencing so right now i sell coop ready laying hens eggs hatching eggs we're working on a um i'm working on kind of getting more into purebreds so i can sell more purebred um chicks and stuff uh, i've got a kiko goat herd and i just recently got my first dairy goat and i love it so much oh my gosh nice <laughs> that's so, awesome yeah so we do kind of a lot it's really diverse here and um that's one reason i recently kind of resigned from my teaching position because i was teaching school helping my husband with his contracting business running the farm and running the farmer's market and raising three kids and it was just a lot and i said something's got to go and i i just couldn't let my farmer's market go so I I kind of released myself from that position, and um, now I'm just busting out at the farmer's market, trying to make it the best farmer's market in the whole country, and, you know, you doing homeschooling the kids and, uh, you know, growing our farm. So that's kind of where my focus is right now, is just straight farmer's market and growing our farm. Heck yeah, that's awesome. So I've got to pick your brain for a little bit. How long were you an ag teacher? I was an ag teacher for right around three years. I'm trying to think. I think I started in 2018. Um, so yeah, it was right around. It was right around three years, and it was it was a great job. Like I loved working with the FFA, um, and it was kind of cool because my my ag teacher had a really large influence on my mm -hmm. life. Um, I'm actually best friends with her still. Nice. <laughs> she lives like 10 minutes down the road. We ride horses and stuff together. Um, she used to teach in the same district that I taught in, but she had um, resigned and moved districts before I became an ag teacher. And when I was in college, I was like trying to figure out, which is the hardest thing for any human being, is to figure out where you belong. And mm -hmm. I knew it was in the ag 
industry. I didn't quite know where. So as kind of life went on, you know, I knew it was somewhere local in my community. So, you know, I did ag teacher for a while. And after I got that farmer's market job and I was doing that part-time, I, it just really, I, I, that's where it was my niche. It was like where I was supposed to be. Like I could tell that I was good at it. I, I was, you know, I knew so many people in town. Um, I got so much support from the community and I guess it just, I don't know when you know, you know, and it was like, dang, I'm good at this and I freaking love it. It's not even like a job, you know? So yeah, I, that's kind of how the farmer's market manager position got to go in. And I had to end up dropping the teaching position, which I you, don't get me wrong. I love the teaching position. It just wasn't where I was supposed to be and I could tell it. So somebody else, you know, <laughs> there's three ag teachers in that district anyway, Mm-hmm. So and and at my school there was three ag teachers. So it's not like I just left and the program left. You know what I mean? It was like you know they could find somebody else to do my my particular portion of that program. So you know they I left great people in the position. They both are great at their jobs. I know they'll find somebody else that will replace me and do great. And I'm able to really grow our market and put it back on the map. And you know do great things there in my community. And I feel like I'm more centered on where I'm supposed to be. And it works out really great for my family. So. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. So you made it longer than I did. I taught um, ag for two years and I was in Daytona, which I didn't grow up there. So it was like a new area. And so teaching for two years, it was so fun. The kids were so great, but it was so busy. And I learned real quick that you cannot be a successful ag teacher without having some sort of work-life balance. Yeah, um, because I mean, there are some people that just get roped into it so much. And I, I was trying to rebuild a program. And so I was busy 24 seven. But after two years, I just got burnt out because I mean, we were doing so much, but I miss it because the kids were so good. I mean, yeah. the, the faculty was great. The administration was great. But the kids were obviously the best part about it. Yeah, so that's me. And a lot of my kids still talk to me and stuff. And a lot of them were like devastated that I was leaving. But I was like, dude, Y'all are in great hands. And I, I'm like you, I got burnt out. Like after, especially with COVID happening and having to teach from home. And the thing is, is like, I was going to have to go back and teach from and teach virtually and teach in person. Mm. And I just, my baby's only seven months old. And so that and trying to balance the baby dish issues and childcare here is unheard of. Like it's very hard to find somebody reliable to keep an infant. It was just blowing my mind up and I was already burned out and I was like, I've just got to drop. So that was just what I had to drop to be able to maintain like a life balance and, you know, be able to kind of keep doing well. So it, I felt like I was burnt out and I wasn't doing the job justice either. I was like doing, I wasn't doing minimum, but I was, I felt like I, I was in a rut and I couldn't get out of the rut mm. constantly for the workload and Kind of like the workload to payload didn't didn't add up, and I was like, uh, I, I gotta I gotta go home. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, like my first year teaching, I was a first year teacher in a new city. I had three different preps to worry about. I had oh, only God. one planning period, a greenhouse, a shade house, um, an FFA program to rebuild, and we were doing this thing called an academy. So I was trying to refocus our academy. And so it was all that stuff as a first and second year teacher. And I'm like, hey, I'm like barely treading water here. Like I need a break. But they're like, oh, no, do more stuff. I'm like, OK. But yeah, yeah it was fun. The kids were always super supportive. 
Oh yeah, the kids loved it, and I and I actually taught. I only thank goodness I only had one prep. Usually, I had well two, I guess, because I taught landscaping, and it was a part one and part two. Um, and I had gotten out in our community, and you know we have a local botanical garden, so we helped out there, and mm-hmm. I actually got my kids like in with some of the like the landscaping companies around the local ones, so that was kind of cool. But it was almost like it was always something else added, and. Yeah, just, you couldn't focus on, you know, you want to grow your program and it was within an ag program. So you want to look at the big picture, too. And then when you add home and other things, it was just hard. And I don't know any any type of farm that has livestock on it. I I think of worst case scenario every time I leave the driveway. And I was always terrified mm-hmm. that like every goat and horse in the country would get out and I would be like, <laughs> That's a yeah, I can imagine. We never had livestock, but I've heard from so many ag teachers that livestock are, I mean, they take up so much time and effort. Yeah. And, and you know, it's kind of, it's kind of funny because like mine, we, my husband is a contractor and he's a perfectionist. So everything he does is bolted up like Fort Knox, basically like, you know, Mm. but still like anything can happen. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I just stress related. The stress just got to be just insane. But it's really funny that you said Daytona because um, small world. One of my first cousins is actually the head of the track at Daytona. And he no way. Track and we have um, actually visited the track and went down and did the whole Daytona experience. His name is Chris. Uh, yeah, Chris Baines. He's cool as crap. But uh, we went down. My brother uh, was in the Air Force and actually was stationed around there before. So okay. We, you know, we visited him there and he was actually stationed right near uh, Panama City. So we actually vacationed there a lot and went uh, canoeing and kayaking on like the, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Econfina. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, dude. It was so, man, I, when I tell people about that place and show them pictures, they're like, is this really in the <laughs> Yes. Like it was insane. Like when we were kayaking there, it was like sea turtles and stuff, and you could see catfish like 30 feet below. It was insane. I, I loved it. Oh, that's awesome. Small world. That's so funny. Yeah, I, so when I was in Daytona, I actually lived like less than, I don't know, two minutes from the racetrack at my apartment, and every day, it, whenever there was a race there, it would be super loud. The traffic would always be crazy, so that was always a good time, but I never actually went there. I wish I would have, but I never went to the racetrack. So yeah. maybe next time, one one day I'll go there. One I mean, day. Well, we have like a local racetrack here um, that some of the smaller people race on or whatever, but it's still like NASCAR has something to do with it. But I'm going to tell you, like, it's a big thing for people in my town, like in South Boston, to go to South Boston Speedway and then, you know, VR mm-hmm. is like right up the road. Oh my gosh, race. But for me, my anxiety is so bad, dude. Like, I want to love the race. I want to. But when I go there, like, I have to hide in a hole the next like week because I get so overstimulated and (laughs) it's so funny because people there are so into it. And for me to really be into it, like I have to have like, I have to pregame and have like three or four beers and then it'll turn, (laughs) then it'll turn into like way more than that. Then I'm at the race and then I'm like, I go, my volume goes from being the regular loudest crap to like twice as loud. And 
I'm very social, so I'll, like, talk to everybody. And everybody's like, like who are you pulling for? And I'm like, I, Dale Earnhardt? I don't know. I'm just here <laughs> to be social. Like, I'm here for a good time, not to pay attention to what goes yeah, on at the race track. I'm yelling. Like, I'm trying to, I'm, like, cheering people on. They're like, who are you cheering for? And I'm like, shoot, I don't know, Dale Earnhardt, like, whatever. And then my, we're actually related to Ward Burden. Like, he's, uh, he married a Throckmorton, so... He comes to my family reunion. So in college, everybody got a kick out of it when they would be talking about NASCAR and blah, blah. I'm like, dude, Ward Burton comes to my family reunion. And they're like, oh, BS. And I'm like, no, dude, it's that cool. <laughs> That's so funny. So um, go, going back to teaching, did you have like that handful of students that would kind of pretty much do everything? Because those were always the best students. Heck yeah. So I would have like, of course, I would always be flooded with a crap ton of kids, but like mm-hmm. I would have over half of my kids were usually very good because we stayed. My thing is, is I can't sit still. I cannot sit still for 90 minutes. And so we were outside like 90% of the time doing something, piddling on something or doing projects or going to the botanical garden. And those kids loved it because they were outside actually doing something and mm-hmm. they really did great. Like, and the ones that didn't do so great weren't really that bad. Like, they would kind of sit at picnic tables and chill. But uh, the ones that really went above and beyond, like, they went and got internships during the summer at the Botanical Garden and got paid. And then they would use their experience and talk to the landscapers around and get jobs. And so it was pretty cool. Like, uh, you know, and we got along. Good. It was It was kind of like running a work crew more than a class because mm, we, just, yeah. we just had a ball together, man. Like they still call me and we have like a Snapchat group and stuff. And so I got really close with a lot of my kids. They were really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Good kids make it so much better. And I mean, yeah. sometimes they're hard to find, but sometimes you can find like some really reliable students and they're the best. Yeah. I actually call when I need something done that requires more labor, like I'll call them. My aunt actually had this massive swing set that she gave my kids. And it was like this big wooden one with like three slides. Well, I called like four or five of my kids in class. I was like, hey, what are y'all doing this weekend? You want to make some quick money? And they're like, what? I was like, I got to go, you know, take a swing set down and haul it to my house like 30 miles away. And they go, oh, yeah, we'll help you. They did not realize that it was that big. (laughs) They were (laughs) so happy about it. But I think they learned a lesson on yo, send me a picture of what we're doing first. <laughs> yeah. Let's make sure it's not too crazy. They they were picturing like a metal, you know, little, you know, plain Jane, maybe three swings on a slide swing set. And this one was like gigantic. Oh my gosh. I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. So when it comes to, so I, I've noticed on your page, you guys kind of homestead. Is that right? Yeah. So yeah, we, we, we're the type of, I'm like borderline dangerous. Like I, I'm not too homesteady, like, you know, living off the grid with solar panels. Yeah. I'm just enough to be dangerous. <laughs> That's awesome. So I've seen kind of like a, I don't know, I guess a rise in popularity for um, people doing homesteading. So how did you guys get into it? And what all do you do that kind of classifies it as homesteading? So, of course, I got, you know, I loved ag. I loved all these animals. Um, when Joe got us our first chicken, like, I always tell people chicken or crack, man. Like, once you get five, <laughs> you're going to get 50. <laughs> and so, you know, I we we got into the chickens and, you know, it kind of grew from there, the gateway drug. And I was like, okay, I want something else. I knew I didn't want cows quite yet because we're only on, like, 45 acres. So, I didn't want anything too big that was going to, like, run over top of me. Oh, yeah. Probably <laughs> yeah. a good idea. 
I needed something that I could handle with the kids. And so we were like, okay, meat goats, we'll get meat goats. And that was kind of cool. And then um, I got into the dairy goat. And I think what classifies me the most as a homesteader right now is that I milk a goat every day, twice mm-hmm. a day. <laughs> and that's, that people, that really blows people's mind for some reason. And at first I was terrified, but now I'm like, dang, it takes me like four minutes to go milk a goat. And it's my quiet time that my kids don't bother me. (laughs) (laughs) So it's really nice. I actually have two dairy goats now. One's not fresh or not in milk and the other one is. And I milk her and I can tell you right now, like to hold up down our family's need for milk. Like I would need almost three of her. She gives me about a quart or a little over a quart a day. And my kids love it. And all I do is filter it. So they drink it basically raw. I filter it. I haven't pasteurized any yet because I only get like, you know, a little under a quarter at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can't drink it fast enough. Like my middle child, well, he knows the difference between goat goat's milk and cow's milk. <laughs> and if I give him cow's milk, he's like, no, that's not the same. And so I want goat milk. That's funny. Yeah. And it's funny. That's what he says. He's like, I want goat milk. And I guess it's because it's, it's creamier Huh. than the 2% I usually get. And it's it's always, I don't really like it as much because I think it's too sweet. But they love it for that reason. And it's almost like, to me, when you eat a bowl of vanilla ice cream, like the, the liquid left over in the bottom is what that milk tastes like. Mm. Yeah, and so it's super creamy and it's super sweet and they just love it. And I actually made them chocolate goat's milk the other day and they're a fan. Like... <laughs> I don't know if they'll ever drink it regular again, but <laughs> that that's one thing that we do. And I mean, of course I can, like we'll, we have a big garden and what I don't sell, like I preserve, I'll freeze it. Like I freeze a lot of corn, um, free, I freeze cabbage and then I'll can snaps and my kids for some reason. And it's really weird to me that they like pickled beets so much, but um, I have to do a lot of pickled beets because they eat them with like every meal and one of my kids will literally eat them like potato chips and I have to send them with him to the babysitter. Really? Oh my gosh. They just love it. And you know, stuff like that kind of makes us a little more homesteady and, you know, growing our own food. I don't know what percentage of, of food we grow that's ours, but I feel like it's, it's getting more and more every year. And, we're, re- we're actually about to get pigs, and so, because my kids eat so much bacon. Oh my, my kid's name is Ryan, mm. and so your last interviewer, or the last episode that came out was, like, with, with pork rind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, then the other day, I was like, dude, you keep on eating that bacon, I'm going to start calling you pork rind. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Because that's how we say his name. We say Ryan anyway, because we're southern as crap. <laughs> but, That's hilarious. I, I, I don't know of any kid that likes to eat beets. And honestly, I don't remember the last time I had a beet. So good on them. Yeah. Oh, God, they're so good. I guess there's we don't do when I pickle mine, I only put like sugar and vinegar in there. Mm, okay. So it's not like there's they don't have anything fancy in them. They're just, you know, plain pickled beets. And I actually will use the liquid that's in there for like salad dressing because it's like a really good vinaigrette, you know. Oh, dang. That sounds pretty good, yeah. It is it's so good. They they love it. And we actually just added an apple orchard. Um like last year I found a a very local farm that just grew he grabs apple trees and grows them to a decent size and sells them. So we've got our own little orchard going on now and 
it'll, you know, it's one of those things that you can't do it overnight and we're slowly getting there, but Hey, the less we got to spend at the grocery store, the more I can spend on chickens. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. My, my wife and I, we want to buy some chickens cause we just want a couple of chickens for some eggs and, we, uh, I looked it up here in Panama City. You can get them. You just have to, ha- in the city limits, you can get them. You just have to ask your neighbors um, if they're okay with you, with you getting chickens. And so we've got one set of neighbors that are really chill. We think they would let us get chickens. But we have another set of neighbors, which is like this old retired couple. Yeah. And they definitely would not be okay with us having chickens. So you we're going to wait until maybe they sell their house or something. We'll see. And you could always like just... Uh, like offering some free eggs. I know, or either. Oh yeah, true. Like yeah. if you're okay with this, we'll give you some eggs. Well, like hens aren't loud anyway, and like I always, or not always, but a lot of the time I order my chickens from like McMurray or like Hoover or something, and you can get, you can buy just all pullets, or just buy laying hens, and you don't have to have a rooster. So I mean, like they're not loud. They're just like you know, they go around. Get some fat, happy chickens to like walk around and mow your grass for you and give you some eggs. Like they're quiet. Hey, there you go. Yeah, that's not bad. That would not be too bad at all. If you we'll want to really make somebody mad, make a neighbor mad, get a Nubian goat because oh my goodness, they. <laughs> it's like I've got my the littlest goat I just bought is a Nubian Alpine, and she was really quiet coming home. And the other day, for the first time ever, I heard her like her war call. I guess. Like, oh really? When I walk when I walk out of the house, everything looks at me like, "Oh, she's gonna come and feed me." Like, like <laughs> my motto is, "If it's looking at you, it's looking for food." And and I think she realized, "Oh, she's outside. She's gonna feed us now." And she let out this this sound. I put it on my my Instagram story, but it was like this sound that was like an alarm. If I had it as an alarm, I would not be able to like deal. Like I would be up in three seconds. <laughs> It's almost like an exorcism, but yeah, Nubians are Nubians are loud. Like that, all goats aren't like that. My Kikos, you barely hear them, but those Nubians, girl, they're like a different loud. Is it kind of like a cougar at night? Because I've heard a cougar not in person, but like a video, and it sounds terrifying. Yeah, like it's it's weird. Like, and I, she's so little, I didn't expect it, so it kind of scared me. I was like, <laughs> man, the other ones don't sound like you. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. All right. So when it comes to farmer's markets, what kind of advice do you have for making a your whatever you might be selling at a farmer's market to make it super successful? Because I've seen, especially in the COVID time, like a rise in farmer's markets as people are trying to buy local, support local. So what advice do you have there on being successful at a farmer's market? So to be successful at the market, like um, there's, you know, there's tons of tips. I, I think the way to leave with the most money in your pocket is to talk to the people. Like, don't just stand there beside your, your items. Like, you know, get out there and talk to people and make conversation. Cause one reason that, that consumers come to the farmer's market, isn't just to like buy food because you know, you can go to the grocery store and just buy something off the shelf. They're buying it locally because they want to know where it comes from and they want to like meet you and talk to you, you know? And, kind of build a relationship. So, you know, really like I have to, I, when I look at some of my vendors, my vendors are really good at it. Like when people come up, they're like, good morning. And they're talking about where, you know, their chickens, like where their eggs come from. And, you know, they, they kind of give them a sense of, Hey, you know, this is where it comes from. Like even 
even on my farmer's market, the our page, I'll actually feature some of my farmers that share stuff on like Instagram and stuff just so consumers can see like, get an image, like a little bit of a glimpse into their life, you know, get mm, more yeah. visual. So, you know, anything to connect more with your customer is bomb. And, you know, I always think that the my more diverse um, vendors do exceptionally well. Like my vendors that bring, you know, different types of produce, like definitely outsell the ones that just bring like maybe one, one type of thing. So whatever you're going to bring to the market, like it's always good to have like a diversity, um, whether that's produce or I've got an actual vendor that makes soap. And now not only does she make soap, she makes like aroma beads and creams and lotions and lip balm. And Oh, nice. That really took her business to the next level because, you know, it gives people the option, you know, of different things to buy. And, you know, I guess, especially with like soap and other kind of, uh, items that aren't food, it kind of gives them a little bit of a price point. Like some weeks they might not need so, but they can still come support you by buying like a little thing of lip balm or something. And Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, it keeps, and with diversity too, it's, it's kind of cool because they'll get to know you and you'll have a relationship with them. And it's not just, it's like a one-stop shop for like, you know, a couple different, different pieces of produce rather than, okay, let me, here's a tomato, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Not many people can anymore. So, you know, one or two tomatoes, they're good and they're going on to the next one. But if you have like a diversity of different produce, they're like, oh, well, I can get this and this and this. And, you know, that's groceries for the week. Uh, you know, and it'll, it, they'll spend more than the dollar for the tomato. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. We've been going to one here in Panama City a lot. It's down in St. Andrews. And there's a lot of produce there, a lot of honey there. There's like a, a guy that has like a coffee bike there. He like has got like a fridge on the front of it and he'll um, pour you some cold brew and it's actually really, really good. So we love going to farmer's markets anytime we are like free to go. Dude, that's so innovative. Like I love, I love vendors that are so innovative in markets as well. But like when you have a vendor that just steps out of the box, like for their setup, like it's amazing because it's, not only going to like bring more people to them, but it's going to bring like, bring more people to your market. Like I've got a couple vendors that with their displays, like when, like if you have a really cool display, it's going to draw people to you anyway, mm-hmm. but they, they really go above and beyond in their display. And, and man, people really love that. Like that bike thing is pretty awesome. I'm going to have to like write that down because yeah. That- yeah. It's really funny. He's got like the, um, I guess the nozzles in there. Cause it's like, I guess um, there's an ice chest in there for ice for the cold brew. And then there's like a big old thing where he can just like pour the cold brew and it's refrigerated. It's cold. It's really fun. He's super popular at that farmer's market for sure. Heck yeah. And he's probably kind of cool to talk to too. That's like a dude. I want to like a a ticket to the inside of his mind because there's no telling how many other cool ideas he has. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. He he might be one of those serial entrepreneurs or something. Heck yeah. (laughs) That's, I mean, that's cool. Like, coffee bike like i i want we have a local coffee shop downtown mm-hmm. um and one of my good friends and eeks like runs it it's called the busy bean and like she's they've got so many cool things and like literally people come to the farmer's market and go straight there like it she she even draws people to my farmer's market she shares a lot of my stuff too because we're really close in location um and just having stuff like that man that's amazing and man i love good coffee especially 
at the market in the morning, like after everything is set up and like, I can like breathe for a second. It's nothing like a nice cold, ice cold mocha with an extra shot of espresso. Oh yeah. Yeah. There you go. Oh, it's my favorite. So how, how important is it for like branding um, at a farmer's market? I mean, you can't just show up with a table and just like, here, have your stuff. Like how important is that? So, you know, some people do, they'll just like show up and, you know, have, have their stuff there and go. But like, like people with branding really go, go above and beyond and people love it. So having like cool labels or like, I'll just like egg vendors. So I've got a guy, um, Broad Shoulders Farm, Ben Capozzi is his name. Um, he has these cool egg cartons and he actually changes the label per season and just getting that, putting your personal touch on like your products and stuff like that, people just eat it up and they love it. And I think it, I think the reason they love it is because it really shows that you have a passion for your business. Like your own personal touch and your personal branding shows that, you know, you're not doing this just for the money. You're doing this because it's your passion and people really like hype and vibe off that. Like it gets people hype. And with Ben, like, especially his branding is, is just so unique to him that people flock to him. And he's, it's so funny, dude, Ben is the latest person in the world. Like he will have people, our market opens at eight. Ben will be, Ben will always say, okay, y'all, I'm gonna be there at nine. He's never there till 10. Oh, really? <laughs> his customers know that. And it's, it's so funny because his farm is, you know, out of town, but he lives in town. He does all this baking and stuff too. So he brings that to the market and, it's so funny, but just because of his cool character and his good nature and, you know, the branding, his cool packages and stuff and how he packages things and like presents his product, people will literally wait for like an, they'll get there at nine, but they will wait an hour for him just because of that. So, oh, wow. I, but I'm pretty sure it's, I, I mean, like coming from a consumer point of view, like it just shows his passion and who doesn't want to support somebody that has a passion that's that big, you know? Yeah, it's always fun to like either support people or just listen to people um, talk about stuff they're passionate about. I mean, whether you're listening to a podcast or you're going to somebody's booth, like people love being around people that are just kind of, I don't know, following their passions. Like it's it's, it's invigorating. Yeah, they get hype. And I, I like, I'm going to tell you, like, I really play off of people that get excited. And like when my vendors come, like I get excited. That's why I love, man, I love my job so much because I get excited about our market, but I also get to get excited like for my vendors and like I kind of help them like build their businesses and stuff. And so it's just so cool to encourage them and support them and give them like tools to even to help them grow and make, you know, make more money and get more, get more customers and, you know, get out there. And it's, it's just my favorite because you can tell they have a passion for what they're doing and like, just being able to help fuel that fire and get them excited. It's like amazing. And I've got some flower, like this year is a big year for our market for flower farmers. And I think that is just so cool because listen, I am good at, I like, I like homesteading. I love animals, but Trevor, I can't grow crap. Like I (laughs) suck at plants. I suck at it. Like, unless I can just stick it in the ground and let the rain do its business. I can't like my husband totally does that whole side of our farm and homestead like he grows the garden i'll i'll help him drop plants but when it comes to weeding it and taking a tractor through it and stuff like you go glenn coco i'm not your girl because I, <laughs> I can't and i mean 
my flower farmers, I mean, they have to keep the weeds out. They have to, I have this one flower farmer that she has, she doesn't have a greenhouse. This girl is so innovative that she like grows things in like salad containers, like makes her own homemade greenhouses and then puts them in rows in the ground and like grows them. Um, and like, but actually two of them do. I've got like Julia's cut flower farm and then I have like country roads flower farm and they both like they, I mean, it's insane the work they put into these products and they bring like these local beautiful flowers to the market and just seeing the passion on their faces and like what they go through to get that product there. And, you know, people come by and meet them and buy. It's just, it literally like, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it because I just love it. I love to see the the beginning to end process and then be a part of just encouraging them and like, you know, feel just throwing gasoline on the fire is my, my passion. I just love it. It's just so <laughs> awesome. Well, heck yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, I feel like if you find something you like and you're passionate about, you got to stick to it. That's awesome. Heck yeah. They're cool. Like who they grow the, I mean, it's just, and there's so many different kinds of flowers. They like, they can name them all by their scientific names. I'm like, mm-hmm. how do you even, this is a tomato. Okay. <laughs> like, like that's me. That's my extent. Like I know a couple because per grandma, I know a couple breeds of, you know, um, like vegetables, but that's it. When it comes to flowers, I'm like, I know five different types of flowers and I know like five different bushes that I have in my front yard and that is it. And for these people to like, be so into it that they know these scientific names and the perfect thing to put it beside. And blah, I mean, it's insane to me, like how, and then they bring their passion to my market and I just love them to pieces. It's insane. <laughs> That's so cool. And yeah, going off the plant science names, um, I had a plant science class in college and we had to memorize something like 200 plants, but oh we, we had to memorize the common name, the scientific name, the cultivar, and something else. So for 200 plants, we had to remember like 400 different names for each of them. And it was insane. I think I got like a, I think I got like a C plus in that class because it was, it was hectic. And of course it was in the middle of summer and nobody wants to have um, summer classes. So good times, good times though. <laughs> well, dude, I failed one. I failed a plant class in college. I had to take it again. And literally the biggest thing was to grow, like they have a, they had a competition, like a project where you and a partner, like, did this big presentation on like this corn. Everybody had to grow like a stalk of corn and you had to like put what kind of fertilizer, I guess you put on it. And you know, all these, I was in majority boys were in ag tech and they were crop farmers and they knew exactly like 10, 10, 15 fertilizer, blah, blah, blah on it. You know what I mean? And they, they grew these magnificent stalks. And then me and my partner were just like, we're just going to throw this on there and see what happens. <laughs> we like burnt our corn. Our corn was like yellow because I mean, not the corn, the stalk. Like, it needed nitrogen. And, like, the only thing, and I love the guy that taught it. He was so cool. Like, I I was like, I'm an idiot. Like, I suck at this. But the best thing about that class I got out of it was I know what N, P, and K stand for. Like, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. And Hey, there you go. That's, that's it. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's so fun. That's awesome. Well, Megan, I feel like we could keep talking for another, like, two or three hours. So we might have to have you on the podcast again in the future. That'll be so much fun. Dude, I love it. Like I did uh I did the Rural Woman podcast and then after I did that one I was like, dude, I am so pumped to talk to anybody about ag and farming. Like I didn't realize the extent to how many awesome podcasts there were out there. And when I got addicted to them, I was like, Man, this is amazing. Like I love <laughs> it. 
Yeah, I've seen like a huge rise over the past couple of years, like of just how popular ag podcasts are getting because like I wanted to start mine to like inform consumers how our food is made, but I found that we're like, I think like half of our audience is farmers because they just want to know what's going on in other neck of the woods, like what's going on in the UK or Australia, like they want to know what's going on because everybody's curious. So it's been really fun. Heck yeah. And then I love the one that you did with um, Amber and Becca because I love Amber and Becca are like soul sisters or something like I love them so much. They're so the fact that they are so real is just the best. Like I love them so much. I love watching their stories and like keeping up with them like all the time. And the fact that they are both pregnant at the same time, I just, I I actually just messaged. I've been talking to them this morning. They are just, um, I love them. They're a mess. It's so fun to listen. I love listening to podcasts like this one as well. Y'all are so real and it's, you're so easy to talk to. And it's just like, having supper like if i had like some hamburger steak and gravy right now that was that'd be all I, it would like <laughs> literally sum it up and be legit oh heck yeah well thank you i mean that might be a thing i've wanted because i've seen different podcasts where they do like a social hour or, like they'll have a beer or something but might have to do a, like a fried steak or something that'd be that'd be kind of fun heck yeah like and then like talk about like what you're eating oh man dude i'd be on it'd be on like donkey kong yeah that's a I winning idea I might have to do that down the road, and I'll let you know. That would be do fun. It. Yeah, and let me know when like you want me back, man. I'm just glad that you want me back. Like that was fun. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, so Megan, if people want to follow you because you're big on Instagram, if people want to follow you and see your homestead, your farmers market advice, where can they go to follow you? So you can go on Instagram at Harris Homesteader, and that's the best place to follow me. And I, I actually have a link to my website on there, but you know, send send help because. WordPress is hard. <laughs> mm-hmm, for real. That's what I use. And it's it's not the easiest thing in the world, for sure. I'm learning. I'm, I'm, my, my brother Mark has this ma- like marketing, like digital marketing company. So he helps me and stuff. But I think the problem is, is your girl don't know what she wants. And, <laughs> and it's hard to figure out the little plugins and widgets. and Yeah, you know, for like, real. I just want to go milk my goat. I got to sit on there for five minutes and I'm like, well, I'm ready to go milk my goat and be Amish now. <laughs> Time to be Amish. Let's get away from that technology. Yeah, I got to go. I need to have some, un- like, I'm overstimulated. Like, time to go, you know, like, pick some cabbage. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Time for cabbage now, please. Yeah. That's awesome. That's why I like Instagram. Instagram stories are easy. You just turn it on. Talk a little bit, turn it off, you're good. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Real short and sweet and to the point. Yeah, I, I've been trying to do more Instagram stories because they're really fun. And I mean, they're they're just so easy to make, for real. Dude, Witty Farmer has me intrigued again about Twitter. I have a Twitter. I forgot how to use it, but she's got me wanting to go to Twitter. Like, last, when you were talking to her, y'all said something about gifts. And I thought y'all said gifts, like with a T. Like, I was like, presents, <laughs> like I need presents on Twitter. And so I like re-downloaded on my phone. I was like, ooh, let me see. And then I was like, they just said gifts. I'm blind. They so say I'm gifts, not gifts. That's funny. Yeah, I've been trying to get to use Twitter a little bit more because I never use it. But ever, after talking with her, I'm trying to tweet every now and then instead of like every few months or something. So it's been fun. She's done a good job of like building up her following on Twitter. Heck yeah. I'm like, is she, man, she's so fun to talk to. Like I, I literally like we talked for a couple hours the first night that I was like, oh my God, I listened to you on Farm Traveler and you're amazing. And it was so funny because I listened to that episode as I was on the way to get that milk goat. So, oh, really? Oh, that's fun. And they, I was in a Honda Odyssey. 
I went to the farmer's market with my three kids, you know, did a little bit of work there, went to the, the county's ag festival, the heritage festival, and then drove two hours to get a goat in a Honda Odyssey, listening to Farm Traveler on the way back. <laughs> That's not bad. That's a good afternoon for real. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> That's so fun. Well, Megan, this has been a blast. Thanks so much for being on, and we'll definitely have to have you on again sometime in the future. Yeah, so thank you so much, and thanks for hosting an awesome podcast. Like, I'm enjoying it every week. Like, you're doing amazing. You're doing, you're killing it. You're killing it. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. That means a lot. I really appreciate it, Megan. Well, awesome, and thank you for introducing me to Zencaster, because this is amazing. (laughs) Yeah, Zencaster is the best. I recommend it to everybody. It's And it's great whenever you do video, too. Um, The video turns out a lot better than Zoom, too, so the video and audio are both really good. Awesome. Well, it so, sure was nice talking to you, and I guess I will talk to you soon. I'll be following you on the Instagram. Deal. Yeah, that sounds like a plan. This one will go out um, not next week. It'll go out, I think, June 2nd, So, but I'll, I'll email you before it goes out, and we'll just kind of go from there. Sweet, and I'll market it. Deal. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'll appreciate that. Yeah, I'll, I'll make a post and stuff, and then you can feel free to share it, and we'll just kind of go from there. Sweet. Sounds good. If you need anything else, you know where to find me. Deal. Thanks again, Megan. Have a good rest of your day. You too. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode with Megan. I hope you enjoyed it. Feel free to visit us at our website, which is www.thefarmtraveler.com, and you can see a lot of great content, even more episodes and articles featuring farmers, ranchers, and everybody in the food and agriculture world. Um, And if you haven't already, consider sharing this episode with a family member or a friend. Organic growth like that helps us grow a ton and it helps us reach a huge audience. So if you learned a thing or two from this episode or if you enjoyed it, which I hope you did, um, consider sharing it with anybody that you might know. Whatever um, podcast app you're listening to um, Farm Traveler on, There is a share option, which you can just share it there. You can share it in Messenger, whatever you might use. So thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.